This is it. In Berlin, season eight, episode season eight. This is it, season two, episode eight. It's the last episode of the season. Can you believe it? My name is Andrew. I'm joined by Fred. Have I even mentioned the name of the podcast you yet, haven't. Fred? You haven't. You haven't. In Berlin. We're in Berlin, but not for that much longer. Fred, you're leaving Berlin. What's going on? What's happening? I'm moving to London. Why? You know what doesn't work? You know what doesn't work? What doesn't work? A podcast called In Berlin, where one of the two co-hosts lives in London. Fred is leaving to learn about the international political economy at a university. Wow. <laughs> I, I sounds... say that as if they're really technical terms that I've <laughs> yeah. used there. At a quote-unquote university. Yes, as fancy as that sounds. Do, do you know what that sounds? That, you know, that, you know, yeah, sub, I do. Sub, substantially less interesting than our guest for today's episode. That's how what that sounds. What a transition. <laughs> what a transition. Our guest is Black Cracker. Fred, tell us all about him. Black Cracker is born in Alabama. He lived in New York. He now lives in Berlin. Um, you'll find out more when we talk to him. But basically, he's this all-around artist type. He's 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 done everything from being a rapper to writing operas. Um, he's a dancer. He, he plays in a jazz ensemble as well as producing sort of almost clubby music. Sometimes, like he's 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 he can do all of these things. Um, and that's some of what we talk about. But really, it gets I think much 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 more profound than that. Um, we talk about his experiences with like race and misogyny. We talk about identity a lot. And I think even when you like when Andrew sort of throws shit generic <laughs> shit generic questions at him, um, literally asking, So where do you get meaning from in life? He he has a answer to that that's like good and like he answers it in style and with substance. And I think that's like I couldn't, I couldn't tease this episode better. It's really worth listening to. I don't want to say we've saved the best for last necessarily because that would be unfair to other guests and choosing between episodes is like choosing between children, blah, blah, blah. But what I will say, Fred, is that it is an extremely fitting finale and Black Cracker's last few words in particular of this episode are really some of the nicest that I've heard since we started this podcast last year. And so... Can I say without further ado, Fred? You can say it one much? last time. You can say one it one last, last time. time. Within Berlin, without further ado, here's the guest. You want me to do it? Because this does, this looks like you're going to kill someone. This doesn't look like healthy at all. Also, you're like going to break my bread knife. Oh. There you go. All right. Well, cheers. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Prost. Again, thank you so much for coming over. Of course. Yeah. Particularly from friends like Alberg. Yeah. You live, you live in Neukölln though, don't you? Is I, that right? No, I used to. I used to. I used to live like right at Hermannplatz. Yeah, that would have been much more convenient of a track. But uh, yeah, I moved I moved uptown last year, about a year ago. Do you, do you live with your girlfriend now? I Is live that... with my lovely, lovely girlfriend right. in a huge apartment that I decided... Um, She's lived there for like 12 years, but it's never been painted. Right. So you painted it? I painted it. It's like three and a half meter ceilings, 140 square meters all by myself. Wow. And now as a result... 140 square meters? Is uh, it just the two of you in there? It's a fucking great... That's a huge... But as a result, 
and I pinched, I fucking broke my back basically. Right. That was oh, that was the. the Let's be more specific. Didn't you pinch your ass? I (laughs) I literally pinched my ass. (laughs) Yeah, I you know I have like kind of a shitty knee, so it started with my knee, and I think it's actually my knee's fault, and I think it's just finally come back to catch up with me, like years of neglect i was gonna say do you feel like you're getting old i think i think it's really the first sign of yeah. official a pinched ass I'm yeah that's old where it now. begins I'm hurting, yeah. you know so uh i'm trying to just take it emotionally in stride not get too you know midlife crisis about it well you've got a you've you've still got the hair right like yeah my hair's doing great yeah so that's long. i guess yeah. like that's my biggest fear yeah. i feel like once the uh-huh. hair like the hairline's receding. That's where mm. I'm gonna. That's where I'm gonna get my midlife crisis because are I'm you, genuinely are you worried. worried. You're going bald. I'm not worried yet, but like I know that my self confidence will not take it lightly when I start going bald yeah. because it'll just automatically make me look like old white guy. Like if you get a receding hairline, like if you I, are, I already have already, like you already look I like already an old, old white guy. look. I already <laughs> look old white guy, but I'm gonna look super old white guy. And how, it's like, how old would you guess Fred is? Oh, I'm horrible at this game. It's not play this game. It's a shit game. It's a shit game. He's 24. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. I wouldn't know. I'd maybe say 26, 27. Cool. Fair enough. I'm I'm fucking terrified about going. Well, forward. you're a fucking mad I child. You're like stuck. I take these like vitamin pills that you are ostensibly are meant to make your hair grow better. But you know it's bullshit, right? Quite a big, you know. You still got a decent amount of hair. It's, it's okay, yeah, but like th- I don't know this. It's it's. It's scary watching it very slowly go away. I feel like growing up in particular, I was so dependent on my hair. Like you still are. You like you like sometimes don't wash your hair for two days just so it has the perfect texture. Like yeah. that's the sh- like that's the vainest fucking thing it's, I've it's, ever seen it's anyone do with their when hair. When you reach this point in life, when you can like rationalize it, and you're like, I know how ridiculous this is, but at the same time, if I'm Going places where I want to impress people and my hair looks ridiculous, then I'll be in a bad mood for the entire day oh, or for, for the sure. entire night. Do you have vanity things? Do you have any do of I these? Do have vanity? Yeah, do you have like any of these things where you go like, oh my God, if this isn't perfect, if this isn't fucking spot on, then I like, yeah, I can't but, go. But you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm also realizing, I'm not sure what's happened. I think at some point I got super traumatized, but I have extreme OCD now. Like, I really like for my socks and my underwear yeah. to match and then that to match what I'm wearing. The underwear is sweater you're wearing. Just get yeah, black underwear, yeah, then it I, always works. No, but I think it has actually. I think it has more to do with like I'm not like a very brand oriented yeah. or like a status oriented yeah. person in terms of my physicality. So I just need that to feel like in control and grounded. That makes sense. You know, in public space. What What else do you have? Are you like when you're eating? Do you have to have your knife and fork positioned in no, a certain no, way? No, no, no. It's no. just about the appearance. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 you know it's not even about appearance. It's just that it's ground, about being that in core. control of yeah. your life. It's like I these are these are new these are new like knickers like I, like and like underneath <laughs> I'm solid. Yeah, you know? yeah, like no, that makes maybe sense. maybe the people around me might have like really fancy shoes or yeah. expensive clothes or whatever. Maybe they're super successful, but I'm confident that my socks and my underwear match, and that's, that's kind of all I need. That's but, your foundation. That's my Doesn't foundation. Doesn't matter what's built on top of that. That's actually reasonable. Exactly. That's yeah. more reasonable than your fucking hair, dude. But uh, I'm. Super, no. I'm super into like uh, deodorant. Also, really, um, it's funny. But always buy the cheapest. Like, does yeah. it does it matter? It does matter because I mean, I like a I like a sophisticated funk. You know what I mean? I don't want to be like fully uh, masked. I mm. want a bit of the mm. pheromone, yeah, and yeah, personal energy to come yep. out. And I find the uh, more expensive deodorants kind of give you that edge. You know, because it's. The smell is a little more refined, 
and it doesn't cover as much. What's your take on aluminium cans? That's I know a, there's a bit of a movement against them. I, I don't mean, actually know why. I mean, I, I, me, I'm, uh, I mean, all my deodorants are like either the I have a crystal. That's for like when I need to travel and I can't smell. Yeah. So you rock the crystal and that kind of kills everything. And then other than that, I'm on the everything's like in a spray bottle actually. So I'm I, I don't really have any aluminum cans. But you mean just generally like sodas and no, I'm talking specifically specifically aerosols. Yeah. yeah. You, there are some people who really go out of their way, mm. including my housemate. That sounds like a tinfoil my, my conspiracy thing to do. Maybe it is. My housemate came back from the US actually from Miami last year. He'd been given I don't know why or how he'd been given some just like Lynx spray on deodorant you, also aluminium. Just as can. a general rule, Lynx will make you smell like a sixteen. Okay, year old but if boy. I if I got given it for free, I would use it for sure. And he came to me and he was like, do you want to take these? I can't use them because they're in aluminium cans. And actually another friend not so long ago was really trying to get me onto salt. You know, yeah, there's like yeah. these like kind of sticks yeah, of salt crystal. you get and it's you like put some water Shit on them and you rub them under there. And, and yeah. she was saying like... It really works. Yeah. That's what I do when I can't smell. I rock a crystal. But yeah. I, think, I think the aerosol can, I think though it's maybe different in Europe because I think probably... In the United States, it's less regulated, and so I think that like Probably I remember, less regulated. I remember like a decade or two ago, a decade ago, they were talking about like it, like you know, contributing to the ozone and yeah. and uh, also just all the aluminum in the deodorant, kind of like contributing to cancer and all this stuff. So. I would imagine to be paranoid about anything that comes from the United States in general, but <laughs> I feel like the stuff in Europe must be you have like a good fairly feeling, right? like, environmentally yeah. conscious because Europeans seem to be a lot more on top of the regulations. So. I'm a I'm a pro EU person that endorses that <laughs> statement. Yeah, yeah, it's very. It's I'm happy to be living here, particularly right now. This, How long have you been here for, actually? This is our segue. I've been here like <laughs> been here like six years. We we have you know I the the, po- the, the, the podcast is called in Berlin. We try to talk to all of our guests at least briefly about the city of Berlin, the okay. influence it's had on them. We might as well get that over and done with uh, <laughs> at, at the start, yeah. and then we can talk about whatever we want. So you, you came here what like we saw an interview from you actually with Vice from uh, 2012. Yeah, a very so, problematic interview. Was it? Yeah. Is that the? Because actually, the interview I loved, it was with a good friend of the mine. The headline is the problem, the, is it? Yeah, and what happened was, is just I made it really clear with my friend, my relationship with certain symbolism and, and how people interact with it. Because for me, it's very important that it's like a personal... But can, you, can you just tell, intimate, the, tell the story of that? Because I know our listeners won't be familiar with that particular yeah, article. I mean, I think just to give a bit more backstory quickly before I talk yeah. about it. But it's more like just, you know, when you... I mean, we have such a... Headline Twitter culture now. Yeah. So it's just, it's more has to do with just irresponsibility of like the intern and and people you know, yeah. aiming for headlines. But, you know, basically I have a tattoo that is uh, very culturally complicated and dense and particularly... Uh, uh, particularly... Mm, weighty here in Germany because of its history and the way the symbol's been used here in this country. Um, and so uh, I had done an interview with my friend where I, you know, I allowed, I rarely talk about it. That's not in person, but I did an interview with my friend and it was cool. And then it's just some random intern, you know, through this, you know, Black Cracker has a swastika, 
you know, headline on it in the... Mm. And it's it's unfortunate because it's the f- like one of the first things that come up, so you would get the impression yeah. that it's something that I, you know, yeah. that, I, that I promote, and it's actually quite the opposite. I tried to be ultra responsible and, and intimate with with my body in general, and how you know the world engages with 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 me yeah. and my body, even though I'm a fairly public figure, you know, so. Yeah, so living but here, I'm, but I'm with you. I'm complicated. I'm, I'm with you because, like, I'm guessing someone's job was to be the social media manager and go. So here's this interview. It's a long form interview or like medium form yeah. interview. Sort of yeah. like do something, post it, and then obviously they went like, okay, so what could we do? Oh, okay, so the guy's name's Black Cracker. That's interesting. Um, he mentions a swastika tattoo. And then like something rap, like yeah. I, and then like throw together a headline from that. Yeah. So I guess that's what kind of happened. And actually, right now, um, I don't think most of the interviews available, so you can only find the headline yeah. in like the first part of the interview. That's crazy. Which is which is bad. That's even worse. What but what's what? great about that the the interview, like the first line is, I think, and this brings us back to Berlin. Yeah. You 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 say this like, and I I want to read it out because <laughs> it's actually like I I I I, I thought it was um, it was so fucking on point. Um, Like, about the city of Berlin, you say, it's a city for freaks, so for sure I fuck with it. Um, Which I thought was such an adequate description. Um, And this was in 2012, so I'm guessing, was that sort of your, like, first first impression, or, like, and has that lasted? Uh, You know, actually, you know, I had been coming to Berlin pretty consistently since, like, 2007, uh, with different musical projects, and then... uh, really moving here in 2012 or whatever. And uh, I think that uh, at first it was like the perfect escape mechanism from New York because New York had just become so oversaturated and so chaotic and so, at least for me, unimaginative in a way. And so Berlin just was so spacious and the cultures are so defined here, you know, and I feel like the city really tries to nurture that. And uh, it's funny, for me, I feel like I actually came here and got more confused and more timid and more traumatized as a cultural being. But I think that's also because I, I tried to take up like an ambassador approach to a few different communities and subject matters that in effect sort of, I feel, watered down my own... What, what, sort of what, instincts. What were the communities and what were the subject Like, matters? for instance, for instance, when I first came to Berlin, I mean, there was a huge divide between, like, most of the time, the only quote-unquote hip-hop mm. you heard was quite golden era. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't a lot of current yep. hip-hop and then mm-hmm. much less, much underground. Yeah, there'd be like current, but more like hip-hop. just like the Lil Wayne. And exactly. So and so uh, that, on an artistic level, was super challenging you know how to introduce uh new mediums and art forms into uh sort of communal spaces Mm -hmm. in a way that would be sustainable for other artists to come over and have space to do it but as a result i think i sort of forgot about like my own more uh uh avant-garde or more like you know like crazy I, i i became a bit less crazy i think and now that I'm up in Prince Lauerberg, it's really... You've been you know, gentrified, I'm man. Just, yeah, I'm looking at baby strollers and I'm trying to figure out, you know, which, which roast of coffee is 
the right one for the week and no but uh it's yeah. just it's just it's been interesting because uh i think that uh, also too i'm not like a big drug person so i, I also tried to bypass a right. lot of circumstances for myself right. for that, my was own. that hard to do it wasn't hard to do but it does isolate you from certain sections yeah. of community and culture and frankly from like a large portion of the nightlife right yeah because i mean you know i go out but i at a certain point i go home exactly and that's know, because and the, the nightlife sleep. is just so much it's shifted right it's so much later and it's, it's geared towards yeah, for sure. it's sort of geared towards people taking drugs yeah. and it's it's, it's it's also i mean it's also beautiful what that does to the culture of music you know and club music but uh I guess in a way I'm also just not so interested in club music, you know, so I'm trying to like segue my ass back into like more performance art spaces and theater spaces. And, and you have been performing at uh, Hebele Mufa and you have been performing, in, I think, even at Gorky. Yeah, at well. Gorky and I did something uh, in the fall at the uh, at the Deutsche Opera. Right. Which, which was... Pretty Wait, heavy. what was that? What did you at do? The, uh, at the Deutsche Opera, they started a new series called Aus dem Hinterhalt, where they invited different artists to take a work that was on the main stage and kind yeah. of like do whatever they wanted to do to it. So I was the initiation right. of that project. And uh, all I can say is like the opera, you know, it's very uptight. <laughs> You know, like I, there's can, only I, yeah, I one can way imagine. to say it, and the people, the directors, and everything—that's not to diss the the people, but just formulate formula-wise, it was really a major challenge. To like, I'm a pretty loose person, pretty energetic yeah. person, and there it's really about you know concrete. So that was like I, a major I challenge. Like the, I, I imagine the sort of the juxtaposition of like you, whether that's as Black Cracker yeah. or just you as. You know, you're sitting here yeah. with the with the Deutsche Opera. That seems seems a like interesting sort of combination. Yeah, I mean, but it was fresh. It was fresh. I'm, I enjoyed it. It kicked my ass, and uh, I would definitely attempt to write another opera in the future so I can have a sort of revenge on the space because mm. it definitely beats me in yeah. the first go around. But the second go around, I'm sure I will tackle it. Okay, so you felt like you lost a little bit of an edge, perhaps, when you first came to Berlin. I mean, how, how would you say... You know what it is also, too? I think it also comes from more personal spaces. Like, for instance, in New York, you have to just work all the time. Mm-hmm. You don't have much time to live. Right. Because it's such a competitive environment. So the time that you take to deal with yourself and your life and your issues is not so often if you want yeah. to be a successful artist. Mm. And so all of a sudden, I think I came here and I had like healthcare and access to like affordable organic food. And I just had more time to deal with myself, Yeah, which is really problematic if you haven't fully been dealing with your shit, yeah. you know? So I think actually it has to do with just the architecture of life in Berlin and you know, you have the opportunity to, to live a more well-rounded life. And I think that it just kind of showed me my ass. And then now I'm adjusting to the to the reflection and trying now to rebuild the sort of like artistic intensity that, that, I, yeah. that I took a break from. Right. Yeah. So oh. we see. But again, Prince Lauerberg is really a challenge to, <laughs> to maintain a certain intensity. You know. <laughs> Well, fair enough. If you're um, living in a 150 
square meter apartment, at least you've got a lot of space for inspiration. It's a lot of space. My girlfriend has a lot of stuff. <laughs> this is this is the key thing. <laughs> what she uh, do? Is she an artist as well? Yeah, she's an artist. She's a she's a very very impressive, well known, powerful creator, and so uh, it's it's good that we have so much space because it's, yeah. it's like you know like you have to negotiate psychological space sometimes physically. Yeah. So it's nice to have like. To not be fully over, because I'm you the type your, of person. You have your own areas of the flat? No, not so much okay. we share. But the thing is, it's like, for instance, I have like maybe 10 pairs of socks. And whereas maybe she has like 40 pairs of socks. So to have enough room <laughs> to where my 10 pair of socks can take up more space is yeah. really psychologically helpful for me. You know? No, that makes sense. But yeah, it's it's nice. It's really nice. We just finished setting up a little studio, and so I've been uh, slowly playing around with cables and looking at different technology, kind of like into maybe building some things, some little gadgets. Wait, what, what sort looking, of you, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I'll ask. You don't know what question I'm about to ask. I don't. It's a pretty standard question. This isn't going to boggle your mind. What sort of studio are we talking here? A music studio or more of an it's, artistic studio? It's pri It's primarily music. But uh, I've been doing a lot with video um, and also just with movement. So there's like enough room to also deal with that. But it's mostly music based. Yeah. But when, uh, can, I, can I ask when people yeah. ask you that annoying question at say a dinner party or something, what you uh, do, do you say you're a musician first and foremost or uh, an I, artist I, more I, generally? Yeah, I try to say an artist because you, I you think seem to dabble in a lot of different forms. Yeah, and I think fundamentally when you are enclosed in the sort of body that I'm enclosed in, if you say musician, then most people instinctually think rap, mm. and then that goes down a really sour conversation. Wouldn't it be fucking funny, though, if you were like a folk singer? Yeah, well, you know, I, you know, I, have, I have, there's a sentiment to me that is very folk. Whether people get it or not, it's there. You know, right. I think it's sort of like electronic. Well, you were you were born in Alabama, weren't you? Alabama. I guess yeah. there's a part of that genre yeah. of music that is in your DNA somehow. Yeah, but also I'm just I'm not a I'm not a big club person actually. Like a lot of times, some of my solo music ends up in the context of the club, but. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a brunch person, you know. I'm more so, of like so a yard sale. I'm like a yard sale. the right suburb artist. with Friends Lauerberg then. Yeah. You're spoiled yeah, for choice. Perfect. It's perfect. You're a brunch person. That's a wonderful way to uh, describe it. Uh, like, uh, yeah, I don't I want some sun, you know, yeah. and some clouds and some shadows. You know, I'm not to... But, but it's funny. A lot of people find my work very dark at the same he, time. I thought it was pretty fucking dark, you know, man. But for me, it's... I think like I haven't really You've got some intentionally heavy... made dark music in a long time. This is like the music that's out there right now. I think is like my strongest attempts at like ease that I've ever had. You know, so that's pretty funny still. <laughs> you want to tell us a little bit about your most recent album, where uh, it came from? Yeah, the "Come as You Are" just came from like series of breakups and rebuilds. You know, like. Uh, had a, like a really complicated relationship with a girl in Nerkern, and that kind of kicked my ass. And then I wrote a bunch of songs about that, and then <laughs> f 
hooked up with the most amazing person that, you know, healed my ass until she pinched it. And uh, wrote a bunch <laughs> of songs about that. But uh, more or less, I mean, in general, I, on this album, I tried to deal a lot with uh, just in general, like, ideas about, like, like anti-misogyny work. You know, I'm mm. always trying to, like, figure out how to be, like, grounded in sexuality and heterosexuality and masculinity, yeah. but from a non-misogynist perspective. Mm. Would, would you say that that's something that goes through all of your projects? Or, like, no. most of them? Or no, like... no, just my solo work. Really. Just your solo work? Because yeah. my jazz projects, those are all more universal poetic space. What about your dance uh, this work, performances? This work was... Uh, was the vision of the choreographer. Right. And they found me and recruited me for the work. So I more fit the purpose of right. their intentions. But it wasn't a, a work that I initiated right. or anything, you know. I, 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 I actually tried to avoid, for the most part, subjects of race and gender. Because right. I feel like that's the only way we can... It takes a lot of people working from a lot of different angles, but I think my angle to get us over the hurdle of identity and identity politics and imperialism and patriarchy and all these things is to not deal with those subjects. Mm. You know? That kind of kills a lot of conversation topics for this pod right now. Yeah, that's what I figured. That's what I figured. But I mean, it's, you know, it depends on the context of discussion, but artistically, yeah. you know, it becomes like really a buzzkill when... Every choice you make, yeah. you realize people are going to look at it through an identity-based right. lens. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I totally understand why you wouldn't like, want to be pigeonholed. Man, to man. Be... It's not even a pigeonhole. It's not even a pigeonhole. It's like to, to, you know, I think one of my biggest challenges as an artist is to precede projection. Right. Like I have to kind of assume what's going to be projected mm. before it's projected and outthink it. Mm. before I do it, which just creates like a whole bunch of extra circles yeah. when you're trying to do creative things. Yeah, you know? no. So I it's not that, so much yeah. about pigeonholes, it's about outthinking people, you know, and that gets exhausting. Which is also why the whole conversation about rap at the dinner party is probably not what you yeah. want to go down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, sometimes I like to entertain it, you know, like, for instance, uh, I remember, uh, you know, like Black Cracker, The name also, you know, it's like a, it's coming from a time where I like to kind of like challenge people mm. politically. So it's like a lot of people think it's like a joke, the name, you know, or like a play on words. But a actually, it's cracker. like a historical reference to the Negro League because there used to be a, a baseball team called the Atlanta Black Crackers. Oh, really? And it was the Negro. Um, wow brother team to the Atlanta Crackers and Cracker actually had nothing to do with the derogatory yeah. name for white people, people with white skin. Yeah. It just was potentially a reference of uh, cracking corn. Okay. You know? But you, you must have recognized when you chose that name that yeah, it would be interpreted exactly, this exactly. way. Exactly. So sometimes I like to fuck with people, yeah. you know, and, and sneak it in. But for the most part, I like to leave it alone. Can we? I, I I'm just gonna ask, and you uh, yeah, you go, go if you want to skip. Um, being black in Germany must have been a different experience than being black in anywhere in the U.S. Is that a false assumption to make? Well, I think first, what I would say is, I mean, really 
thinking a lot about race because we talk about it a lot. And I think it's an important thing for us to start to differentiate um, black skin, like the mm. color of skin, having brown skin yeah. and culture. Right. Because there's so many different black cultures and that just depends on where you're from and yep. what your experiences are. So my experiences of having brown skin in Germany as an American, you know, is uh, one based in a history, I think, primarily around like uh, black soldiers. Right. You know, from the United States and during those times uh, or black athletes or black entertainers. Yeah. And that's mostly the. You know, uh, perspectives I can, you know, uh, respond towards or, or, or ways in which I've been treated. Um, but in terms of uh, being German with brown skin, it's something that I can't talk about. Or being mm. African living yeah. in Germany from whatever country they are from is an experience I I can't really speak on, you know. Right. So, uh but for me, I think it's mostly just uh, I never, I have never been so race conscious in my life as I am now. There's rarely like a day where I don't have some sort of conversation about race. Is that or, because of world politics and the general state of sort of what's happening in the U.S. and or like where does it come from? Was it just that it's a topic that you've picked up? Yeah, because? I think I think uh, I think Germany can be very isolating. Right. culturally you know but it's also it's culture it's isolating for most cultures that don't have a strong ground here so if mm. you're a big surfer yeah germany's gonna maybe be isolating yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. surf culture so for me it's isolating at times but it's not that i come from any particular cultures it's more that i feel i have to, i have to carry more weight mm. my choices artistically my body, the space I occupy, carries more weight because, because you're it's being, so underrepresented. Yeah, because you're being so representative of it. Because yeah, you're there's not enough quote-unquote yeah. diversity. Right, so everything you do is seen as a proxy for all of the things that people think you represent. Yeah, okay. or, and, and I think that's, for me, a, a big issue is that I think a lot of people these days don't have a problem with that. And so they speak, and they speak from a personal perspective not recognizing that a lot of people hear these words and take it as a cultural perspective or yeah. a universal expected perspective of experiences and that becomes super problematic you know when you have outspoken people speaking maybe before they're thinking about grand subject matters that then represent everyone mm. and then you have individuals that try to come into those spaces and then become super complicated you know you seem to have thought about this in an almost um, intimidating degree of detail. The, the, the philosophies that you're espousing here, I don't know about you, Fred, I think are absolutely fascinating. Are they, do you do a lot of reading on, on these sorts of topics? Do you just like sit down by yourself in isolation and think about them? Like, Where would you say these, these ideas and these beliefs actually stem from? I mean, I, I'm, A, I'm not a big reader. I'm not a big historian. But I'm a sensitive person, like I'm a highly sensitive person. Yeah. And I think that it just comes from trying to find a balance of respecting that and using it, you know, and, and honoring, honoring it 
but uh, it mostly just comes from experience, you know. But I think for whatever fucking reason, I think about these things a lot more than a lot of other people do. Mm. And I don't think it's just the nature of I have more experiences. I think it's just something that fascinates me. But I would imagine it also adds a deeper sense of meaning to your life and to your work. I mean, for me, I'm, I, 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 uh, I'm trying my hardest right now to develop new works that are uh, fully just based on um, cre- cre- creativity and craft mm. Mm. with zero content mm-hmm. in, in mind, just so that I can enjoy the hobby of being a creative person. You know, because I think once you have content, then you get a larger burden and responsibility. So yeah. I'm just trying to like get into a contentless form of right. creativity, you know. Where do you turn for meaning in this day and age, oh, Fred? Fuck off. Where? Right now I'm gonna turn to my second beer for a second, if that's okay. That's like the one solution that's proven relatively successful for me. Yeah. Does anyone want anything? I'm, okay I'm fine for now. Oh, actually, you might as well bring a beer over, Fred, if you could. Well, there's only like one left, so poor planning here. No, there's not. There's one down the bottom. No, it's a question I ask myself repeatedly these days, though. Uh, what question? It's just the question of meaning. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's uh, so. I think it's so easy in in today's times to live a life where many of your pleasures are fulfilled. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're hungry and you can eat, you're tired, you can sleep. Whatever urge, whatever temporary urge overcomes your body, uh, it can be satisfied fairly easily. But this question of where you go to really find meaning, lasting meaning, is one that I would say has plagued me for the last couple of years. And when you get caught up in the monotony of day-to-day office life in yeah, particular... Yeah. And you find yourself hanging out for the weekends and then you go and get drunk on the weekends and the weekend is over and you're just back into the, mm-hmm. um, the arduous life of sitting there for nine hours a day in front of a computer screen. Mm-hmm. I'm obviously not the first person to have observed this, um, but it's something that for the first time I've started probably to experience. I, th- I think that we've, we've excelled as a culture. I mean, like a human acceleration is based on convenience and need. Like we need more convenient shelter, more convenient food, mm-hmm. convenience. We have like a instinct within our bodies that pushes us towards f- future, future developments of convenience, maybe to a too far level to where now it's just overly convenient, you know? But uh, I think that... Uh, I think that for me, it started a long time ago when I recognized I didn't have to live inside anyone's system. And it comes with a big consequence. But for instance, I stopped paying taxes. I stopped uh, receiving money on a check. Uh, Can you give us a little bit more context here? Where were you at the time? How did this realization come about? I don't know how it came about. I was living in New York. I had been going to art school studying visual art, I dropped out and started doing more work with poetry. And then I found myself doing a lot of work uh, with teenagers, teaching teenagers all over New York City, Uh, poetry principally, but I found myself it becoming more and more social work, how to get young people uh, to a place where they can express themselves and act politically and socially. But uh, 
I would go to colleges and I'd encourage people to not pay their student loans and not take jobs where you have paychecks and, you know, uh, don't pay your taxes, all these things. And, of course, it comes with consequences, mm. you know, because then you have bad credit and you don't have insurance and all these things. But fundamentally, I feel like it helped me solve those sort of questions of purpose because I every day did the things that I wanted to do or the things that I had to do based on the system I chose for myself, you know? So I think in saying that, I feel like principally, whenever we are lost and without purpose, if we think not about ourselves, but about other people, mm. I think it's like an instant high and an instant solution, you know? But I don't know if people have the capability to even find that stimulating anymore, you know, to just be generous to other people. If you feel shit about yourself, make someone else feel good, you know? And I think fundamentally that's like a cyclical element of humanity that maybe we don't have anymore because maybe we only have liking and posts. And, yeah. yeah, it's all and, a little and shallow. feeding and swiping, but fundamentally... It's still possible to to see someone in the street and make eye contact or make some sort of human interaction, and 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 witness the beauty of community and joy and humanity and intersectionality. You know, you still do that kind of stuff in Berlin, like interacting with say younger kids and um, trying to act as some sort of role model in their lives. I I I, I don't do it as much because I also felt at a certain point I needed to do things for myself, Yeah, you know? But I still, I, I you know, I, I host like a monthly party and it's aimed at... A monthly what's right? A monthly party? A monthly party at Schwartz at London Calling. And it's, uh, it's aimed to like bring different communities into that space to broaden what it means to be quote unquote queer because my right. relationship with queer is not... What other people's is, it doesn't have anything yeah. to do with um, sexuality or how you identify your gender. It has to do with like a life vision and all people who share that life vision should occupy those spaces. Um, what does it mean to you? How would you define that? Because life for me, for instance, it makes no sense for me to go to a gay club because I can't flirt with women at a gay club. So therefore, these spaces that are queer for me, are not spaces based on sexuality. They're based on community, and community should extend and make room for mm. everyone. You mm. know, not just, it's not a hook, like uh, dating is not a political activity, you know, so to call these nightclubs queer when they're just based on hookups mm. is, I think, a bit fraudulent. You know? So queer to you is, is just a term that should refer to a, is, is queer as in the original sense different, or queer as in sort of, it's For like sure. a, a, a more divergent, divergent, divergent sort of yeah, yeah yeah queer sort of as the like the like outline rather than the 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 like cruising bar queer yeah because where else do other people go for support yeah you know like say you're uh, say your fam say your whole family is racist as fuck you know and you need to be around yeah. other people doing that positive work where else can you go yeah maybe this is a space you can go. You know, Even though you're, you're not. If you're yeah. working on anti-misogyny work, maybe this yeah. is a space you can go because, you know, it's not as simple for a lot of people. For, for other people, it's very simple. 
No, but for some people, it's not so simple. So anyway, so I try to... Is anyone not allowed in that space? No one is not allowed. But there are. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a space that calls itself actively safe. Mm. So there can't uh, be offensive towards other. Yeah, there's be like, a lot of rules, you know, to provide enough space for everyone. You, you ever have to ask people to leave because they're not just they're not respecting the rules? I, I mean, I've never asked anyone to leave. I've been witness to some people being asked to leave, and I found it complicated when it occurred, because I also think that there has to be opportunity for education we mm. had we, this is so interesting because we actually had this giant discussion we yeah. were having pizza before we this interview which is not important to the story but i'm gonna tell anyway <laughs> we're having pizza salami um, or i had suchuk he's a he's a vegetarian, vegetarian like but a shit vegetarian because he actually ate tuna okay um we had this we had this conversation that's... about um safe spaces on american campuses and it's a very complicated issue in the way where I guess Andrew is more on the free speech side of things where he goes like full on, hey, we should expose people to ideas they don't like. And if college campuses can't be that, what place can be that? I'm a little more reluctant to agree with that because I'm sort of like, yeah, but if someone's entire purpose is to like insult or offend you, they shouldn't be fucking allowed their free speech. Like that's more my take on it. But that, all of that said... I think it's complicated to go, yeah, we're going to make this like a... The, the whole term safe space mm. has a lot of... I think I, we all get where it came from and why it could make sense. Right, exactly. But you also don't want to kill this discourse and yeah, like exactly. ideas. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Because that's kind of what happened. Someone, they interacted with a person who... The person identified as a drag queen. Right. Right, which is is a a, 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 a male-bodied person yeah. performing femininity, yeah. which is very different than a transgender yeah. Yeah, woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The person asked the drag queen if they were a man or a woman, which I understand how in this space that can be a complicated mm. question, but I think you have to provide a little bit of space for people to... Yeah. Understand if that drag queen felt offended, fine. You know they're allowed yeah. to say and say, "Hey, this doesn't make me feel uncomfortable." Whatever, whatever. But uh, I think also the institutions should also say, "Hey, this is the space you're in. This is what you did. Let me explain yeah. to you why it's not cool. You're welcome back, or you're welcome yeah. to stay. Don't do it again. These are the terms, <laughs> yeah. you know. And I think that uh, sometimes we can alienate ourselves in a process of trying to create safety and i don't know if fences are yeah, safe the solution like you know? are they i don't I'm like that sure. kind of also makes you more of a target you know so it's complicated so the aim of the space you're creating is is to yeah have that queer no, but I'm, yeah i'm still in a, you know, in a different sense. I, yeah i'm still i'm still doing that's very subtle from. subtle cultural development mm. that's kind of what i like to call my mm. activism is communal and cultural development right just the just a, just to throw little wrenches here mm. and there, you know, and hopefully slowly see what comes off of it. <laughs> you know, the the pipes will reconfigure, you know, yeah. around without. I'm not the type of change worker that is like this has to change now and this is how it has to change. It's more like a gentle process, like a river, you know. Right. I'm not like a let's blow up the wall sort of person. 
Yeah, it seems like that's going to happen anyway, regardless of how. <laughs> yeah, and other people can do that. And other <laughs> yeah. people do that well. I don't do that, you know. So I I try to play my part. Do you think you'll ever go back to the U.S. to live? I can, I mean I can't imagine it. I really don't want to imagine it, but uh, I it's not so much that I I am anti the United States. It's more I also just uh, really irresponsibly, you know, played with my credit and my, you know, right. not paying all, you know, so I, I have to follow through with the, yeah, yeah. There's, with there's the mess I made. legal implications. You, you, you burned the bridge, basically. <laughs> the bridge could, be, but at the same time, maybe it's been so many years. That a lot of the stuff I wouldn't is not risk even it relevant at the moment. Yeah, we see. Yeah. It's not a good climate right now, I think. Probably better in no, Germany. But, but also... what do you think? Uh, like, I'm not going to ask you to solve all of the world's problems right now, but yeah. as I'm sure you've seen, there's a lot of there's a lot of hate basically in the US at the moment. And what do you think needs to be done there to turn this around? I mean, it's not it's not new. It's not like at the moment. It's always existed. Okay, but then it's at least simmered to the surface or, 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 or made its way to headlines in recent times. Made its way to Twitter. I think that it's more that... Uh, more that uh, it's more the rest of the world, you know, gets a, a, a clearer vision right. of what a lot of people have been trying to explain for a long time. Right. You know, there's been so many conversations where... People try to explain a circumstance and then they're told, maybe you're sensitive, mm. maybe you misunderstood. Yeah. And I think now it's less likely for someone from the outside to say, maybe you're sensitive. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's because, because it's, it's so just, out in the open it's, that it's more. <laughs> you, you it's know, no, you know that's I, the thing is, it's always been in the open, depending on who you are and right. what mm, relationship yeah, yeah. you have to it. Yeah. And I think that's what people have to also understand. You know what's come as a revelation to me as someone whose exposure to the US and US people by and large growing up was watching talk shows based in New York, which was obviously a more liberal progressive culture and thinking there's not that much wrong like here. Like what talk shows? Talk shows like I'm I'm talking like late night shows okay. like The Daily Show with yeah, John Stewart and uh, Stephen Colbert uh, and I, you know these these New York based uh, left-leaning, charismatic dudes <coughs> based in a fairly liberal city. And when that's your exposure to the U.S., right. you don't necessarily come to understand yeah. some of the some yeah. of the issues we're talking about now. And what's been a real eye-opener for me, and I know Fred's into this as well, and I'd be very interested as to whether you've listened to it, this podcast called S-Town. Have you heard of it? I don't it? know it. You've seen it? No. It's a podcast that's... I mean, it's a documentary, basically. It's a podcast documentary set in Alabama in a town that the protagonist calls Shittown. Okay. That's why the podcast is called S-Town. Okay. It's called uh, Woodstock. Think. I think it's called, called, yeah, it's called Woodstock. Woodstock. Yeah. And it's this New York-based, like, reporter, basically, who goes and explores this town and thinks there's been a crime. It turns yeah. out to not have really existed in the way he thought it did. But it, it turns into this seven-hour exploration of this town of Woodstock and some of the conversations he has yeah. at, like, tattoo parlors and bars and restaurants feel like they could have been lifted from 50 years ago, 60 years ago, at least as far as my the, interpretation like, of the US was racism and sexism is staggering. Like, it's, it's, it's ludicrous to anyone who's, like... If we think of the US... No, it's, not, it's not even obvious as in, like... These things are being said, and it's obvious you feel that way. 
the people saying these things don't feel bad. are trying to make it clear. Yeah. You know, like w- one of the guys that's being spoken to is trying to demonstrate the differentiation between different groups of white supremacists. They're almost showing off his knowledge. That's not the sort of thing that I would have thought people would be doing on public radio anymore, which is essentially what this podcast is. It's a what an NPR. It's an NPR. Oh yeah, NPR. It's NPR. I mean, that's. I think that's always the problematic nature of the liberal quote-unquote liberal perspective is that uh, we we or they often don't understand that on the other side of our reality or their reality the i love liberal, how you go we and they at the same time uh, this is fucking interesting yeah, go on yeah, <laughs> is uh, is other people's reality you know and that that's a that's that's a real those people are revolutionaries for their community Mm. You know, they're visionaries. And I think that we have to understand that and respect that and try to compete with that. Because it's not enough to, 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 to witness it. We have to, we have to it, has to, it has to be real. You know, like right now, I think we're still in the witnessing stage. It has to become real, and we yeah. have to work on. But what, it. what does that mean? We can't. I mean, we can't all move to rural America and like expose ourselves and like engage in the communities. It's just not something I that's feasible. I guess it's more about like also realizing that America is far away. Yeah. But the um, the residual effects mm. of those cultures, those images, yeah. that are broadcast, we we have them. Yeah. We support them. You know, like most hip hop popular music mm. is like some it's some of it's highly creative but the content is fully degrading mm. derogatory N- no other art form would allow mm. that subject matter or these subject matters to be glorified and the predominant voice of a cultural perspective yeah. and it's us that is purchasing this and listening to this and circulating mm. this and yeah. that is part of this That's part of the reason why those, quote-unquote, those people yeah. think the way they think. We are hand-in-hand. Hand. You know, we are all in the same bed with, with, uh, with misogyny, with, right. with, with racism, with... But basically um, what you're saying, and I want to make, this, I wanna make clear this, is I'm yeah. obviously simplifying this, is you're basically saying by purchasing hip-hop, we're perpetuating a stereotype that black people glorify... It's, it's sexism and whatever is glorified in hip hop. Yeah, no, but it's beyond. It's beyond perpetuating a stereotype. It's also perpetuating income and finance mm. and livelihood. Yeah. And for instance, if we collectively, we we all understand how if we don't shop at Walmart and yeah. we support yeah. local businesses, yeah. that that is a good yeah. action. It's the same. Say we have quote unquote hip hop music or any other music. If we say no, we're going to put our money here. Mm. Then that's what people will do. So we vote with our feet, basically. Like, yeah, like people. People also. I'm not going to hate another artist or creative person for making uh, financial decisions with their art. That's yeah. the choice they can do. It's the market that drives the content and the perspective. Right. And I think that. We, um, as a culture, have uh, we are racist. There's nothing we can do about it. It's mm. what we've been taught from day one of our experiences. 
and we have an addiction to seeing a certain perverse negativity that we can um, live out within, and we don't realize that other people are living in it, hmm. and we can put it on for a night or two or a drink or two, yeah. but other people stay in it, yeah. and I think that... Uh, no, yeah, I agree. It's I fully, a lot. It's I a fully, lot different than stereotype. I, I fully, I fully it's, agree. It's a whole. I mean, I've been super fortunate because I'm not even a very good artist, you know, in that sense. Like on a level, I'm not a very good musician. I, 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 I think that uh, I've, I've always gambled, and I always try to make things that are a little bit bad, you know. Like I know, for instance, probably my strongest. Artistic contribution is probably my poetry, but it's what I spend the least amount of time on because that would make me feel like it's more easy, you know, and I'm doing mm -hmm. what I'm good at or what I can make a career with. Mm -hmm. And me, I, I, try to, uh, I try to take the hard route. It's not always on purpose and it's not ever fully comfortable but I'm proud that I that I do that. That I don't necessarily just go with what's popular and and make it easy. You know? But uh, mostly, it's just sometimes I just wish that. Excuse me. I just wish that uh, I wish that life was a bit simpler, and I think that's also why I've spent so much time in the house and in Prince Lauerberg and drinking my coffee and you know for me it's been pretty crazy actually because ever since the election or the inauguration like i've really yeah. i've had such a guilt mm. to be an artist you know why because right now we're in such a age of self-promotion you know and it's not that i don't stand by my artistic work but i don't think that right now the world exactly needs more artists you know what 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 does the world need yeah, though exactly. i mean how could your time be better spent I, I, I think that staying offline and not promoting things is a really powerful thing right now and i i'm just trying to i'm trying to uh not lose myself in the in the in the surf of the of the web and the the sort of tsunami of you know re-like and repost and just try to like take some time to like meditate and like take care of myself psychically, yeah. you know, so that I can still um, act human in the world. You know, there's we see so much negative information on a daily basis, and we most of the time just avoid it. It's context-free negative information as exactly. well, which is the worst. Exactly, and so I'm trying just to. Uh, not to participate in that. And it's coming at a cost to my career because, for instance, this last album, I just couldn't bring myself to promote it. Right. You know, there's just too much shit right now in the world. I don't want one of my songs to come up in between some post of, you know, another refugee ship, yeah. you, know, mm. uh, you know, going under. That's not the type of... It's a dark, it's, but it's a dark way to look at it Everyone's, because don't we all need a little bit of levity and a little bit of yeah, escape and yeah. and, maybe, and art for and, that matter? And maybe there are some other artists who can fill that gap, but I'm going to be the artist that is kind of not. Right. I think that we all have to work together. You know? 
But me personally, I just haven't been able to do it. Like it's yeah. I just like I'm supposed to re, re, I have all these remixes for my album. I'm supposed to put them out, and I just can't. I just mm. can't do it. You know. Well, we'd still like to give you the opportunity here to promote any upcoming work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is the final segment of the pod. You have to like promote something. <laughs> you don't actually, but like. No, I mean, I what, just, I guess the work. What, what, I, the is, work. It, is there okay? I'm going to give you two options, yeah. and you can take both if you want, or neither. Yeah. Promote your own work, or just promote a message yeah. to the people who are yeah, listening sure. to this. That's what I was going to say. Just, you know, I just want to promote. Uh, Just we we just we have to be uh, gentle, and like really take the time to every day ground ourselves in reality, and 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 that doesn't mean that you don't define your own reality and you don't have to be uh, obsessed with negativity or turmoil or catastrophe. Like you can also ground yourself in beauty, in comfort, in joy, in generosity, but. Uh, Yeah, let's just uh, let's slow down a bit and mm -hmm. hold hands a bit, and you know, look at the moon occasionally. It's still up there. That's it. Thank you. We can't find a better note to end on than I, that. We can't. Shall we? That was beautiful. So, cracker. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks for coming it's on. Real pleasure. Yeah, no problem. Thank you guys for the beer. No oh, absolute pleasure. <laughs> For a variety of reasons, actually. List them. This is one. I don't know. I don't know when, when the next episode will be. No, neither do I, Fred. None of um, us do. It's open. I'm, It's open. I am also sobbing at the fact that we have. Um, interrupted those beautiful last words from black cracker with this little bit but yeah we don't know you when know. we'll next get a chance to speak to our listeners and we have one more request for them we do we? we do also it's something that'll i think it'll cheer us up it might also cheer you up if you if you feel like you've been enjoying this but only if only if this last season and the, even the season before i mean if you haven't then you know that's If you haven't listened to it yet, go listen to it. But in general, <laughs> if you've been enjoying this season, the last season, this whole project that we've, we've been doing so far, the past 16, season, uh, 16 episodes, can you believe it? 16 seasons is what we're aiming for. Go and leave us a rating or a review. That'd be nice. Do you want to say goodbye, Andrew? Yeah, I, I was going to. I was going to say, Fred, thank you. It's been a very nice journey so far. I'll um, actually start sobbing. I've enjoyed having you along my side. Let's not make it too sentimental. But... Um, <laughs> Best wishes for London and let's hope this is this getting too late. It's getting a little late. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>